If they're able, let's uh, kick off this morning with a uh, with a song and uh, and go from there. In my wrestling, and in my doubts, in my failures, won't walk out. Love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. You are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence, you won't let go. In my questions, the truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, you are the peace in my troubled sea. My Oh, 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 oh. Safety show. Oh, oh, oh. 
with each morning I'll rise and sing My God's love will lead me through You are the peace in my troubled sea Oh, you are the peace in my troubled sea My lighthouse, my Brothers and sisters in Christ, what hopes do you bring to worship? We bring hope for health and wholeness. What afflictions do you bring to worship? Physical pain? From illness and injury. Emotional pain? From sad and situations. Mental pain? With all of these afflictions, it is a miracle that any of us have made it to worship this morning. But where else would we be? We yearn to know God's powerful love and to know that wholeness is possible. So come, let us enter this sanctuary with our whole selves, hopeful, afflicted, and bold. Come, let us worship. Amen. All right, now we're going to go into our uh, connection time. So if you're uh, Online, feel free to say hello to everyone, and uh, maybe the folks here can uh, chime in as well. And we'll we'll gather again in a moment. I'm faithful, I'm faithful, I'm faithful. My Savior, my Savior, my Lord, my Creator. I'm faithful, I'm faithful, I'm faithful. My Savior, my Savior, my Lord, my
Today is uh, third Sunday, so on third Sunday, as is our rhythm, our worship rhythms is uh, open table Sunday or communion Sunday. And so, and in this time, we have to pivot and adapt and try um, different things. So um, we're not actually going to come and grab the bread and dip in the... In the uh, blood, but uh, I will bless the sacraments um, and will symbolically reflect um, in our seats. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. Many will come from east and west and from north and south and sit at the table in the kingdom of God. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust him to share the feast he has prepared, according to Luke. When our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Now hear the words of the Lord as they were delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I receive from the Lord what I also hand on to you today, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink 
this cup, you proclaim the Lord's name until death. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's sit as the music plays um, and reflect um, on the body of Christ and the blood of Christ broken for us and shed for us. the voice of love that's calling There's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands everything you're going through You keep standing at a distance In the shadow of your shame But there's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place There's a Savior and He calls, bring it all to the table. He can see the weight you carry, the fear that haunts your heart. You're accepted as you are Bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before For all your trials, all your worries and your burdens There's a Savior and he table you can bring it all you can bring it all 
Nothing he ain't seen before For all your sin, all your sorrow And your sadness There's a Savior and he calls Bring it all to the table Bring it all to the table. If those who are able would like to rise, we're going to join in another song of worship together this morning. And I would encourage you all on this next one to think of it as a prayer. Direct your hearts directly toward the Holy Spirit. We can humble ourselves before him this morning. Remember his greatness and his holiness. Miracle when you move, such an easy thing for you to do. And your hand is moving right now. You are still showing up at the tomb of every Lazarus. And your voice is calling me out. And right now, I know you're able. My God, come through again. You can do It's Jericho And my walls are all crashing down
power of the Holy Ghost, a new wind is blowing right now. Thank you, Jesus. You never fail. And when your plans don't look like ours, God, we know you are still in control. We rest in that. We find strength in that. We love you and praise you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Hello, Renew. My name is Lisa. I'm going to read the scripture reading today, which should be up here on the screen. Um, from Mark 1, 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly, over the whole region of Galilee. We have a Japanese maple in front of our house, and it's, it turns red, reddish, and that sheds its leaves, and it's amazing. It's amazing. And like all along our street as you're driving, it, you know, it's a pretty straight street, and you know, rows of trees just turning color, and the leaves kind of falling in the breezes. It's amazing. It lifts my spirit because I'm, you know, I'm happy when it rains and it's cloudy, so... Uh, it lifts my spirit. I know sunshine does that for some people, but I'm a good old Seattle Northwest boy, so it makes me really, really happy. But we're starting a new series called Jesus Moves, and Jesus Moves, that's a play on the word moves, because Jesus moves us, moves our hearts, moves within us, moves in our communities, in our churches, in our neighborhoods. Um, But then he also moves us. We are moved by Jesus into action, into service, into loving one another, um, into different situations, um, different paradigms and maps, different ways of operating um, because of what, how he's moved in us. So that's Jesus moves. And my question for all of us is, what amazes you? And if you want to shout that out, uh, a couple of things out loud, that's fine too. But what amazes you? 
When you think of being amazed, what amazes you? Sunsets and sunrises, that's for sure. Stars, yeah. Huh? Childbirth. Childbirth. That's pretty amazing. It's like you can't beat that. <laughs> What's going on over here? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if you've, uh, you know, there's been, uh, there's always viral videos that go out, and this is an old one, so I'm not trying to be hip here and, like, current. In fact, I mean, yeah, anyways. But, <laughs> but have you guys seen the double rainbow uh, YouTube video? So, you know, sometimes you can see a rainbow, and then there's another rainbow, and there's a double rainbow, and there's this man who's camping or hiking, and he sees a double rainbow, but for some reason, just the sight of that moves him and amazes him and it's just the video is just him you just you don't see him you hear his voice and he says a double rainbow that's so amazing a double rainbow but as he progresses you can hear his voice break down and he's getting emotional and he's starting to cry and by near the end of the video he's a double rainbow a double and he's literally weeping because this, you know, display of nature, of God's creation, in that moment, touches his heart, right? And moves him. And I'm sure all of us have stories about that. How creation, how nature, um, how God's moving hand has moved and amazed us to the point that our emotions come out. You know, or we're moved to tears. Um, we were just talking about the, the Sonics, you know, uh, when they were taken away from us. That moved me to tears, right? I don't know if I was amazed, I was angry, you know, but what kind of things move you? What amazes you? Um, and I wonder, I wonder in our culture, and our society and in our times, if we've kind of become numb to being amazed or numb to being moved. Even as we come to church, um, what are our expectations when we come to worship the Lord, when we come on Sunday, when we um, sing praises, when we listen to the word? Is our expectation that God will show up in all the power and glory and sovereignty of God and move us deeply and penetrate our hearts and amaze us, right? Do we expect miracles to happen on a Sunday? Do we expect to see people healed? Do we expect uh, the word of God to just transform our hearts I know for me being a pastor's kid and growing up in the church the immigrant Korean church sometimes going to church with my dad every day of the week um, early morning prayer service like uh, why do I have to go with you dad you know sometimes for me I can get into the mode of Religious things or Christian things or church things are just 
routine or just, you know, the motions or things I've always done, but kind of like feel blank about it or like just that's what you do, you know. But at the same time, when I look back, even though I was so annoyed to wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning to listen to (laughs) Korean people like praying loudly, like creepily, um, I know that the fact that my dad made us like sometimes do devotionals in the morning and we'd be like, ah, I got to read the Bible. Um, that that built, built a foundation, right? That that had influence, that that affected us. But Jesus moved. So in our passage, uh, this is Mark chapter one. So it's in the early, early part of Jesus' ministry. Jesus has just called the disciples He's rolling around and people are just beginning to be exposed to who Jesus is. Jesus is teaching. He's going into the synagogues, um, teaching the word of God. And what we learn from our scripture passage is that, um, if you can hit the next slide, in verse 22, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And then again in, in verse 27, you see that there's a parallel. Par- there's, it's re- a repetition of that same idea of amazed, which I've put in bright blue, and a teaching with authority. Right? The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority. (laughs) And these aren't like, uh, these aren't heathens or pagans. These are people who know the scriptures. These are people who uh, know Yahweh and the law and the teaching. They're in the synagogues. And they're here to receive teaching from the scriptures. And they're amazed. Right? And I imagine like, Maybe every Saturday or every Sabbath when they go to the synagogue, they hear the reading from the scriptures over and over. Maybe they know the scriptures from heart because all of these things they heard since their youth, the law, the commandments, the prophets, right? I mean, these days, we know that they call our generation or the the younger generation biblically illiterate, like, some of, I can't, like preachers, I talk to my pastor friends all the time, and they say, when we preach, we can't assume that people know the Bible, or even know, you know, the stories that we're talking about. And so, sometimes you have to, like, explain the, the passage, or explain, give context, because not everyone has read the Bible, or not everyone, we can't assume that, even as Christians, people know the Bible. But in these days... People knew, right? They were raised on it. They memorized passages. They etched it into their heart. Scripture in their heart. And yet, when Jesus taught, something clicks, right? They lean a little further in. Their eyes widen. And they're like, what? This is not like the scribes. This is not like the teachers of the law. This is different. This is different. What is this? A new teaching. And then dot, dot, dot. And with authority, right? With authority. 
What is this authority that they experienced? I imagine, you know, we, we spoke about this a few weeks ago when Jesus called the disciples. What made them drop everything and follow Jesus? Right? What was it? He didn't put them in a trance. He didn't hypnotize them. He didn't pay them. He said, come, follow me. And they dropped everything and followed him. There was something in the voice, in the demeanor, in the words of Jesus that were authoritative, that moved people cut people to their heart. Because Jesus was bringing something new. And he brought something he brought something new out of something that was very ancient and old. Right? From the scriptures. And you remember the religious leaders felt threatened by Jesus. And they always challenged him on the law. Why are you healing on the Sabbath? Why are your disciples doing this on the Sabbath? Who are you to forgive sins? Right? And Jesus, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, he, said, he says things like, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So Jesus is here to return the people's hearts back to God. Right? Because somehow... The word was going out and was not hitting. And we hear this all the time in, in our days, right? You, you know the nuns, right? Not N-U-N-S, like nuns, priests and nuns. But the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, are a term to describe young adults or young people who, know, who maybe they grew up in the church, but they have left the church and they don't have any church affiliation. They're the nuns. They're not tied to any religious activity, though they have that experience. And sociologists, theologians, practitioners, you know, we do, our church has participated in Pivot Northwest, the Lily-funded young adult uh, initiative. Like, why are the young adults leaving the church? Why is this happening in droves and droves and droves? Why are there so many nuns? And on top of that, we live in the Pacific Northwest, right? The Pacific Northwest, Seattle is the darkest place in the U.S., right? We get pastors and church planners from the Midwest saying, Seattle's dark, let's bring 50 people and plant a church in Seattle. It's dark, it's so unchurched. And the question, and you hear it all the time, like, I'm a spiritual person, but I don't believe in religion as an institution. I don't believe in the institution of religion. Right? I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person. I believe in God, but the church is corrupt. There's, you know, it's too hierarchical. I've been hurt by the church. Right? And you hear that all the time. People have stopped being amazed when they come to the body of Christ. People have stopped being moved and transformed when they come into the body of Christ. And it's like, why? But when Jesus walks into the synagogue, something comes alive in people. It's like parched throats in a desert, water dripping on 
dry. Have you ever had cotton mouth because you're so thirsty? You wake up, you have cotton mouth, right? It's like that cold ice water going into your mouth. And this is the experience. This is what people are responding to. And Jesus, and notice Mark, all the time he talks about Jesus teaching, Jesus teaching. They're amazed by Jesus teaching, Jesus teaching. But it never, he never says what Jesus actually said, right? We don't hear what Jesus was teaching. But the emphasis is on the fact that Jesus had authority, not as the teachers of the law, Jesus had authority. What is this new teaching and with authority? Are you with me, church? And we see that Jesus casts a demon out of a man. And so not only is uh, is Mark kind of demonstrating Jesus' authority in his teaching, but we see Jesus' authority um, over the spiritual, over the supernatural, Right? Over demons. And the demons even know who Jesus is. They know that Jesus is a bad man. Right? They know what's up with Jesus. Jesus, you are. We know who you are. The, what does he say? The son of God or the mighty son of the mighty one. Right? We know who you are. And Jesus is like, shut up! Right? And the, in the English, it's kind of... You know, we can read it and it can kind of be this uh, subdued because the, the, the scripture says, be quiet. But isn't it like Jesus was like, be quiet. <laughs> the, the, the Greek there is uh, shut up, almost like a curse, almost like he's cussing. It's very like harsh. He's like, be quiet. Shut up. And the demons come out. Well, it says demon, but it's interesting that the demon refers to itself in the plural first person, right? We, us. That's another <laughs> Bible study or whatever. Angels and demons. We could have a small group. Angels and demons. Um, But he demonstrates authority over the spiritual world, over demons and spirits. And they even recognize who he is, his identity and his authority. So Mark is emphasizing the authority. So the word authority in Greek is exousia here. And it's connected actually to the verb excesti, which means it is free or it is permitted. So when you put those kind of connotations together, exousia, or authority, in reference to Jesus, has the connotation of a sovereign freedom, right? So in other words, one who acts without hindrance, without anyone, any external controls. Jesus' teaching is authoritative. He's exercising sovereign freedom, which is contrasted with the scribes and the religious lawyers, right? They teach out of tradition, right? Out of whatever's developed through the religious system about interpretation of scripture and tradition and laws. But Jesus 
teaches with a freedom of one who's actually the source of truth, the source of the teaching. Are you with me, church? Jesus teaches with independent authority, or rather we can say the authority of God. And even as I stand here as a preacher preaching, I recognize that, you know, it's a many steps below what Jesus must have sounded like, how Jesus projected this sovereign authority. Because I might as well be like a scribe. I have, I'm influenced, I'm affected by tradition, my own background, my gender, my culture, my, you know, age, my generation, my, there's so many things that influence how I see scripture and how I convey it. And we're all here uh, because of God's grace. The only reason we're, I'm here speaking is because I'm called or, you know, God is gracious to me and called me to speak. But it's the Holy Spirit that moves. And who knows, maybe you hear, you know, one thing from what I say, like, what, what was the thing? Um, you hear butterfly. You know, I say butterfly. And that's the thing you... you uh, dwell on and it influences you. Anyways, now that I've gone on that tangent, <laughs> um, this passage, you can go home or you can open it up in your Bible, is very similar to the passage in Mark 4, 35 through 41, and we all, we actually, I can't assume that we all know it, Jesus calming the storm, Right? So if you look to Mark 4, 35 through 41, Jesus calming the storm, we see that Jesus rebukes the spirit in our passage and the command to be silent, right? Rebuke and then be silent. In 125 are exactly parallel to Jesus' rebuke of the wind and the command to be still in 439. And then... Uh, the other place is the response of the crowd in 127. What is this? He commands even unclean spirits and they obey him. It's parallel to the response of the disciples in chapter 4, verse 41. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And what we see in both passages is that Jesus has power over both the natural world, the winds and the sea, creation, the power to stop a storm with a word, and also the supernatural spiritual world, casting out demons, freeing people, healing people. Jesus is sovereign. This is what Mark is saying. Jesus amazes. Jesus moves with power. And when he heals and touches and transforms and renews people, it's the real deal. And that's why people were so touched by him. 
And that's why when you see Jesus touch people and renew people, interact with people, there's the healing and the transformation internally, but then there's always the external movement, right? Look at everyone who's interacted with Jesus, the woman at the well, then goes and preaches to her city, right? There, there are instances of the demoniac who's freed from the evil spirit, goes and, and proclaims the word, witnesses. And Jesus telling the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And people moving out in the new identity, the new freedom, the new grace that they found in Jesus Christ. This is something to be amazed about. This is something that we get to participate in as the church, as the body of Christ in the kingdom of God. We get to see God move in the world. God touch people. God heal people. God redeem people. God change things around, turn things around. Not just people out there, but in our own lives. The maladies, the sicknesses, the patterns, the addictions that we struggle with. Jesus has the power to heal. Amen? Amen. We have to believe that. Anyone know, uh, of you know Annie Dillard? If you're English lit, poetry, into poetry. Annie Dillard, um, she wrote Bird by Bird. Um, and she's a Christian. Um, her writing isn't like Christian writing. It's poetic and creative writing. Um, but in her essay titled Teaching a Stone to Talk, she writes this about Christians and the church. On the whole, I do not find us sufficiently sensible to what is going on when we gather together for worship. Does anyone have the foggiest idea of what sort of power we so blithely invoke? We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. For the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense. Or the waking God may draw us out where we can never return. Do we live in expectation of the amazing God? Do we worship in expectation that Jesus will move, Jesus will renew, Jesus will transform? As leaders or people part serving in a church, do we, um, when we talk about our budget or how we spend money, do we think about the amazing God, right? Like what God can do with resources, right? If the spirit moves, right? Do we talk about that in our testimony times? God is so amazing. Do we expect to meet God in worship or in our times with him through reading the Bible, in our prayer times, in our coming together in community? Do we expect a powerful, moving God? 
I expect everyone next week to put on helmets, bring helmets to, to church. And you streaming out there, lash yourselves to your sofas. Put on life preservers. I think this is what is happening when Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. The people are amazed. Who is this? This new teaching and with authority. This, I can actually follow that guy. I can actually go leave everything, right, and go with him. I want to go with him. I want more. I want to learn more. I want to talk to him after, afterwards. I'm hungry. I'm starving for this. I want to be around him. And I think to, to a certain extent, the reason there are so many nuns, not N-U-N-S, N-O-N-E-S, people who have left the church and are not affiliated, is because the awe is gone. The amazement is gone. Because we are going to... As human beings, we are drawn to things that move us. We are drawn to change and transformation. We are drawn to movement, right? And we can strategize about church growth or strategize about dis, you know, discipleship or this or that. Um, but Jesus... I mean, it says in our scripture, word about him spread across the land. Right? It was viral. Jesus was viral. And there's a reason for that. Even before viral was invented, or before the internet, right? Because what's-his-face invented the internet, right? Even before the internet, Jesus went viral. You know, hashtag Jesus Christ. Hashtag authority. A new way. The last thing I want to cling to is how the people said, what is this new teaching? Right? Really, it wasn't a new teaching. It's an ancient teaching. But Jesus was bringing a new way, a new covenant, a new way of engaging with God, and a new means of salvation, a new means of receiving the grace of God, right? A new way. And we heard, you know, we know the parable of wineskins, right? Where Jesus said, you don't put new wine into old wineskins because the new wine will burst the old wineskins. But if you have new wine, you put it in new wineskins, And I think that's the kind of people I want us to be about. That's the kind of people I want us to be, right? Look at our logo. Our logo, our name is Renew, and we have a butterfly. (laughs) Like, how many churches, first of all, have a logo of a butterfly? Yes, so unique. You know, and I was worried it's not, like, manly enough. We should have an R, a strong R. Right? I wasn't saying that. <laughs> but people were like, we like, we like the butterfly because it, it represents metamorphosis, right? 
it represents something that changes. Something that was some, a caterpillar becomes a butterfly and flies. And so that demonstrates motion and transformation. And so does the word renew, right? Renew in our name is the expectation that change happens, that healing happens, that the amazing happens, that God is moving among us, and we expect God to renew. And there's also a very shrewd and realistic view of the world, the world as it is. Yes, the world is good. Yes, there are beautiful things. And yet we know that there are ugly things in the world. We know that there are sinful things in the world. We know that there are hurtful things in the world. There are oppressive things in the world. There are unjust things of the world. There are sexist things in the world. There are racist people and things in the world and systems in the world. And we're not naive to be like, it's all good. Jesus is happy day. Let's celebrate. We're shrewd as snakes, but gentle as lambs, right? We recognize that we're not naive, that there's evil in the world, but we also are idealistic and respond to people out of love and gentleness and compassion. That we risk being hurt and run over to love. So I don't know what you call that, like a gentle warriors or like, I don't know. Soft hearts, hearts that are out, we put our hearts out there in expectation of for God to move. That's what faith is, right? Yes. right? It's like the old Indiana Jones, like the invisible bridge. You have to take that step. I mean, I'm not a big on the bridge diagram and all that in evangelism. <laughs> it works right now. Like, we need to move as if God will come in power. Put our helmets on. And like, the image I get is like, I can, we can fly with God, so let's get on top of this church. Put our helmets on and just dive. Right? Don't try this at home. <laughs> But that's what we need. That's what we want to be about here. Amen? Amen? Do we live in expectation of the amazing God? Do we worship in expectation that Jesus will move? Jesus will renew. Jesus will transform. And I see every day my peers, pastors, like People and people out there, pray for pastors. Pray for your pastors. Because it's one of the, or pastors, ministers, it's the shelf life of a pastor is like five years. Right? It's one of the like, well, uh, the Pew Research Center, you know, surveyed pastors' families, pastors' wives. Right? And it's like the hardest vocation. And people, I love what I'm doing. I'm like having a blast. But like, you know, the life cycle for a pastor is like five years and they're out. And you know what? We were talking about this. During COVID, there's been more transitions in churches than ever. Like 
It, same with te right, teachers, wait, uh, food service, like all of these hard places that have been affected, health healthcare um, that have been affected by COVID, like for pastors and staff of churches, they're just like, I'm going to go sell cars now. I'm going to do my dream of being a hedge fund manager and make some money because this is done. You know, and so you'll see like a lack of staff or workforce. Um, same thing in education. Um, but that, why? Because that, that first love isn't there, right? The expectation of God's power isn't there. Or, and the, the habit of leaning into our, our own power, our own abilities, our own answers, and it just wears us ragged, right? For us, for Renew, I know that a lot of things died or came to a close, especially in terms of ministry during the pandemic. Our food bank pantry closed, you know, children's ministry didn't happen, meeting in person didn't happen. Like, and we're wondering, like, what does this mean? What, like, it's almost as if your identity, what is our identity as a church or being a church that's renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods. Well, how are we renewing our neighborhoods now? What does it look like to love our neighbors in this post-pandemic world? Actually, we're not post, we're like in pandemic world. We're kind of, I mean, the image is we've been in this ark, Noah's ark, right? And we're sending out birds. Is it okay to come out? And we send out another bird. Like the first bird came out like, oh, no, it's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the second bird's like, uh, right? And we keep sending out birds, right? And we're waiting for, like, we've been huddled up in this ark, like, and it's flooding outside, and it's not safe outside, and oh my gosh, it's cramped in here, and it's dark, and like, there's no showers or baths. I don't think they, God. You know, in all the plans that he gave Noah, made a bath or a shower in the ark, right? Gopher, barky, barky, and the arky. No shower for my hairy. Um, and we've been waiting. And, and all our planning and all our like, well, what's next? Like, we need to be ready for what's next. We need to pivot. We need to do this or that. Things, we need to adapt. We need to change. What's going to come? And, you know, staff are freaking out or afraid or like, I want to stay on the edge of things. I want to stay on top of things. I want to be like forward thinking. I, I, I want us to live. I want us to survive. In the end, it has been about waiting on the spirit of God to come and, this, and the spirit. God speaking and saying, wait on me. I'm moving. It's okay. Like half, the, half of my times with God is like, you're okay, Dave. <laughs> right? I'm a pretty driven type. Like I need to have activity going. I need to be like, like go, 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 go. And in many ways, the pandemic has been like, 
this is boring. Like, I've gone through all my Netflix shows. <laughs> I've gone through Hulu. I've gone through Prime. I've gone through HBO Max. My garden is, like, awesome at home. And, like, we laid new laminate floors in our house. We got new appliances. Just doing everything. But when it comes to church, it's like, what are we doing? You know, what's next? What? We should be doing something. And God, God is like, shh. Maybe he's like, be quiet. <laughs> right? Shut up, David. <laughs> shh. Be still and know. Jesus has the power to calm the storms. And we are in a storm, but Jesus has authority over coronavirus, right? I'm not going to be like those evangelists who are like, blow, blow the coronavirus out of this place. I'm not like that. But like, God has authority. Have you seen that video? Oh my gosh, please look it up, but don't quote me, okay? Uh, <laughs> blow, blow, uh, anyways, I need to end this sermon because I'm tired and I'm going off. But, uh, and I'm emotional for Cliff. Um, Jesus moves. Jesus is moving. Jesus has been moving. Do you believe that? And it just, I want us to reflect on that. Like, how is Jesus moving in your life right now? How have you witnessed Jesus moving? And where is he tugging your heart? I mean, with my kids, you know, kids have really struggled during COVID and stay-at-home time. I mean, it's been a real mental, mental health has been a big thing with children, you know, because we're social. We, we want to be around our friends. Right? And there's been so much being in home. There's been so much stuff. And I catch myself with my kids like demanding more. Like, you should be here. You should be here in math. You should be here with your maturity. You should be here in sports. Like, push, push, push. And the word that God keeps giving me is like, Stop yelling. Stop pushing. I'm working. I've been at work. Do you trust me? How many of you feel that? Like, I don't, it's chaos. I don't know if God is working, but God is sovereign. Amen? Amen. God is working. Jesus moves. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love and your grace and for the new way
your new teaching, your authority in the world, your authority in our lives, in our families, in our church, your authority in this place. You move with power. You say to the storms and the winds and the rain, stop, and they stop. And you have the power to do miracles in our midst. And we long for you to reveal your Holy Spirit, to be a participate uh, in amazing things that you've been doing. Because for some of us, it's been a long time since we've been amazed Since we've been moved to our core. And I pray for renewal in our hearts, in our families, in our homes. We pray against cynicism, against hopelessness, against um, doubt. Um, not against doubt, but that you'll meet us in our doubt. And lift us up in power. In Jesus, in your sovereign name, amen. This morning, as we all reflect on that word from God through our pastor, I would love to encourage those at home and also here that if there's a work God is doing in your heart right now, you're perhaps in your, your chrysalis and it's, it's time for some sort of transformation and you would like to feel that excitement, if you would like to feel that miracle of the Lord alongside your community here, would you please feel comfortable coming to the forward, coming to the front and pastor can pray with you and those online, I'm sure Pastor Magdiel would be able to pray with you online. If you have something you would just like to bring as part of corporate worship sometimes, it's really valuable to walk alongside others in those times. So please feel comfortable doing that, that this morning if there's something on your heart that's something we would love to stand with you in doing. And we're going to close in one more song. So um, those who are able, if you would like to stand with me this morning, and we will continue to reflect on God's miraculous nature this morning. thunders from heaven and his voice can stop this world he created the day and the night still he did together this little girl or you can sing us a new song or you could stand up and say We're going to start at the beginning and sing that one more time together. The Lord, he thunders. The Lord, he thunders from heaven, and his voice can stop this world. He created the day and the night, still he knit together this little girl. Could sing us a new song. 
could sing us. Or you could sing us a new song. Or you could stand up and say hallelujah. You love me today. the sea into jars and he calls the stars by name close the flowers in every field and he loves me just the same or you could sing us a new song or you could stand up and say hallelujah you love me today or you could sing us a new song or you could stand up and say hallelujah you love me today the earth trembles the mountains shake and the wind can blow so strong all of creation waits for the day when you call your children home or you could sing us a new song or you could stand up and say Stand up and say Hallelujah You love me today uh, First I wanted us to uh, remember or think about and pray um, for Michael's father who's in stage 4 lung cancer and so be in prayer. His name is Michael, Michael Sr. Um, so be in prayer uh, for Michael's father. And, um, and as I look out here, I, I see a picture of what God has been doing behind the scenes, you know, with us. New people, new faces. Online, there are more faces, new people that some of, some of you haven't even met yet. And that one day we will meet and get to know. And I've also been noticing the last couple of weeks more children coming out. And just just a word that we're praying about that as a leadership team, like we're planning and we're structuring um, to provide uh, uh, ministry uh, to kids and youth um, and how to bring that back. Um, because I, I see a vibrant family um, shaping in front of me, and so it's amazing. Um, when the storms of life are overwhelming you and you're in the boat afraid and overwhelmed, may you look to Jesus who has power to calm the winds and the rains. Amen. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.
Oh, my home. 